Okay, let's continue on in Psalms, and we're in Psalm 9. David says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. He says, I'll tell of it. Showing forth means he's going to tell about it. And he does. These Psalms are full of the marvelous works of God. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to get God's attention when you're going through these. Just know that David knew how to get God's attention. He knew how to win favor with God by doing the things that he talks about here. He says, when my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. The Lord is really the only one that can make your enemies to perish. The presence of God does it. Sooner or later. <laughs> he catches up to all of them. Mm -hmm. Anybody that comes against you or any wrong spirit that comes after you will perish in the presence of God. And now you have the presence of God within you as a repented, baptized, and converted believer. He says, For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat in the throne judging right mm -hmm. in righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that judgment can be brought about. An unjust judge can't judge righteous judgment. You have rebuked the heathen. The Gentiles are the other nations, the ungodly nations now. Mm -hmm. You have destroyed the wicked. You have put out their name forever and ever. <laughs> uh -huh. He blots out their name out of the book of life. He says, O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. They're going to be finished forever. And you have destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. Mm -hmm. The enemy is out to destroy you, a sovereign nation, or one of these cities here. Mm -hmm. But the Lord is your shield and your buckler, and he fights for your cause now. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He's already gotten it ready. He's already done it. He's already still doing it. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. It's the only way it can be done. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. That's how it has to be. If God is a righteous God, then he has to bring that judgment and that punishment upon the disobedient and the rebellious. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, mm -hmm. a stronghold. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Mm -hmm. The Lord has never, ever let us down. Not if we're walking righteously before him. He cannot let us down at all. If we're <laughs> disobedient and rebellious, yeah, he just removes his protection from you and turns you over to, well, the heathen. Any other spirit that doesn't agree with the Spirit of God. 
Every time the Israelites rebelled or were disobedient, that's what the Lord did. He never did bless the sinner <laughs> or the ungodly. He says, Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. You can talk about that as much as you like. Declare unto the people his doings. Tell those who ask you about the reason of the hope that lies within you. Tell them the good things that God is doing for you. And minister to them those things. Mm -hmm. God's deeds. Yeah, his doings. When he makes inquisition for blood, he remembers them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Mm -hmm. Or, literally here, the afflicted. Now, the enemy, Satan, the devil will, at certain times, come to tempt you, to test you, and to afflict you, and try to punish you for being obedient to God. That's his job. However, when God says enough is enough, that's it. Uh -huh. He will not forget the cry of those who have been humbled or brought down or brought low by the wrong spirits. Mm-hmm. He says, have mercy upon me, O Lord, consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. He says, Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. He's the only one that can do it. That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Here is another verse that shows the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. David says that he'll show forth all of the praise of God in the gates of the daughter of Zion. Now, the daughter of Zion is the church. Mm -hmm. Yep, the bride of Christ. See how that works? Christ is the husbandman. He's our husband. We're married to Christ. And the church is described in the New Testament as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And if we're married to him, then we are twain as one flesh. Mm -hmm. We're bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. And we also live in the spirit and walk in the spirit. Okay? We eat his flesh and drink his blood. Mm -hmm. We're nourished by the source. Jesus Christ is the source here of this salvation. David had the unique ability, if you want to put it this way, to see quite far into the future because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you read the New Testament, a lot of times it will describe how David talks about these things by the Holy Ghost. Remember, Steve and I were going over that uh, the other day. When, the, when it said the Holy Ghost, how the Holy Ghost saith. And then the reference will come back to David here, back to the Psalms. It's interesting stuff. Uh -huh. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Whenever salvation is mentioned, that is the face of Jesus Christ. That salvation, the face of God. Mm -hmm. So, this verse 14 is quite significant. 
He says, the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're caught in the pit which they dig for you. Your enemies soon, doesn't matter who they are, the enemies of God, the enemies of the saints of God, will soon be taken in the pit that they made for you. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. And this just in general. At any time. And a lot of times it takes a lot of patience for us to just endure it and overcome it and keep our peace about us and just let the enemies do what they need to do. You know, I can recall when Jesus was faced with his betrayal at the hand of Judas Iscariot, he just told him, he said, that thou doest, do quickly. Whatever you're going to do, just get it done. Let's get it done, let's get it over with so we can get this judgment going. Mm -hmm. Because Judas Iscariot, the man that betrayed Christ Jesus himself was demon-possessed by the devil himself. It said that Satan entered into him, literally possessed him. So he just told him, he was talking to that spirit now. He wasn't talking to Judas, the man. He was talking to those spirits that were possessing him. Because what is our flesh that, that, you know, that God's mindful of anything in the flesh? <laughs> God is a spirit. He's not, he's not just an empty-headed idiot. He was talking to that spirit, talking right to the devil in Judas, right there. Whatever you're going to do, just do it quickly. Let's get this done. Let's get it over with. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your 30 pieces of silver behind whatever you're going to do. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, what will man give in exchange for his soul, it says. Uh-huh. Yeah, 30 days wages, maybe? Yeah. Verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. <laughs> How about that? Mm -hmm. People today have no idea the kind of judgment that's coming upon them. Sometimes they blame the forces of nature. Sometimes they blame themselves. And sometimes they should. However, we know that whenever judgment comes, we know that it's the Lord and not anything else. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Hegion, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Wow. This is an amazing verse. There's a false doctrine that goes out in religious areas today that says, well, there's no literal hell. I beg to differ. King David here begs to differ. It's right here in verse 17. H-E-L-L. -L. That's hell. Every nation that forgets God shall be destroyed. It says in another place also. And this nation and the nations of this entire globe now have done their best to forget God entirely. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. It says in another place in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I believe Paul talks about it in the epistle to the Romans. Mm -hmm. Yep. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. No memory of Him. Let's get rid of God out of everything. 
Everything you see on the television now and everything you see about uh, nature and all that other stuff has left God out. They, they forget one thing, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. And you can stop right there and, and think for a, a few millennia on that. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. That's right. You know, Jesus said the poor you have with you always. There's always going to be some country on the globe somewhere that's going to be suffering some kind of judgment because they've forgotten God, and they're going to have poor and needy. What I'm concerned with today is those who are poor in spirit. And I'll tell you what. Christ himself was more concerned with the poor in spirit. Why were they poor? Because the people that were teaching them, the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day, the backslidden so-called religious leaders, had kept the people spiritually poor. They weren't teaching them the good things of God. They weren't declaring the righteousness of God. They were declaring their own righteousness, and they were keeping people under bondage and oppression to their own rules and regulations that they had made up as they went along. Mm -hmm. Jesus told them, he says, you teach for doctrines the commandments of men instead of teaching them the wonderful works of God and how to obey God and how to get to know God. And knowing David, they should have known exactly how to get to him, how to appeal to him, and how to get their answers from God, and how to have that personal relationship already. That was severely lacking in the days of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ came to fulfill the second part of this verse here, that, that the expectation of the poor shall not perish forever so that he would free those captives and let those souls go out from under that oppression. In a way, Jesus was like Moses. He took those captives and took them out of that religious setting, like getting the Israelites out of Egypt, kind of like what we went over over there in Exodus. Mm -hmm. And it was tough because that Pharaoh back in Egypt was stubborn. He had a hard heart. And so did the scribes and Pharisees. They were like little pharaohs there in Jerusalem mm -hmm. and in other cities where they, were, where they had those synagogues and they had scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> it was something. And the common people heard him gladly. They needed a Messiah. They needed a deliverer. Mm -hmm. And it says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ was far superior to Moses. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he had better tools to work with and everything. He had a lot more spirit. He, had, he was the first man on the scene to have the full power of the Godhead bodily. Mm -hmm. So, interesting stuff here. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. I don't think there's ever been a time where the flesh of man could prevail over God. Not entirely. Mm -hmm. Not in the wrong spirit. When you look back in the Old Testament, in, back in Genesis, and you read about Jacob, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And the angel was actually a pre-incarnate version of Christ. He, <laughs> Jacob asked him his name. He says, what's your name? He says, how is it that you ask my name, seeing it as a secret? It was still a secret yet. It was concealed from him, Christ concealed. But he told him, he says, 
you have uh, prevailed. Mm -hmm. But he only would prevail with God being in the right spirit. See what I'm saying? No wrong spirit, no, no mind of man can prevail with God. Only the mind of Christ can do it. Only the mind of Christ can prevail with God. Mm -hmm. Let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord. I pray that right now. Mm -hmm. I want all the enemies of God to feel the fear of the Lord today, right now. Mm -hmm. Put them in fear. They're certainly expert at spreading fear all over the place in this day and age. They're real good at it, real skilled with it, pushing their brain damage all over the place. That the nations may know themselves to be but men. Mm-hmm. Selah. Yeah. When God breathed the breath of life into the being that he formed in Genesis, man became a living soul. That man, Adam, was the son of God. The rest of the people that were created before them, before Adam and Eve, were just creations, were just created beings. Let's go back over to Genesis and take a look at the creation, briefly, because this is interesting. Genesis 1.26, and perhaps later on we'll cover this again at another time, but I wanted to, to make a, a point here, because it, it's excellent knowledge for anyone looking for answers. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, why would God the Father need to speak in plurality here? Well, he was talking to the Word. Jesus Christ is the Word now. If some of the things that I say are repetitive, it's vaguely important. So, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Mm -hmm. And in verse 27 here, it says, and we're going to pay very close attention to the wording, because this is important. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Mm -hmm. Everything that moves around. Mm -hmm. And then he gave them their provision of food. And in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It doesn't say, behold, it was lousy and imperfect and just a bunch of garbage. Mm -mm. Even here, it was still very good. Now, these are the created beings. All right? Then in chapter 2, you have the seventh day where he finished everything. But I want to go back to 27 here. So God created man in his own image. Yeah. In other words, if we are created in his image then he must have created us perfect like he is. Hello. <laughs> yeah. All you imperfectionists out there, it's time to wake up and smell the coffee. Mm-hmm. 
It's time to wake up and smell the creation. Okay, and he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Hmm. How could he replenish something that hadn't been plenished before already? Now, these were the created folks here. These were creatures. They were man and woman, but they were created. Now, if we go over here to chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Moses says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Mm -hmm. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He set that one apart. Because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. Now, this is an interesting one here as well. God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Now, we know that the rain by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, Jesus Christ personified in a hidden fashion. And there was not a man to till the ground. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a minister holy enough with the Holy Ghost to be able to minister to any of these created beings back here. There wasn't a man of God yet, okay? These were just creatures back here. They weren't sons of God yet. It's important to know that the Old Testament is not much of anything without the New, and vice versa. The New Testament and the Old Testament must be married together perfectly. And you can't have one without the other. And I, through my experience, I've found this. You must have both of them, in order to understand one and the other. Mm -hmm. And they both play off of each other very well. They have to, in order for this Bible to work properly. Now, there wasn't anybody to go and minister Christ, or minister the gospel, or minister the good things of God to these created uh, male and females over here. They did. They were fruitful, and they multiplied. Okay? In verse 6 now, it says, But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Mm -hmm. During that time, God had had channels of water to come up and to irrigate the earth. Mm -hmm. It's just like a type of Christ had to come from the flesh here so that we could understand God and see God the only way that most people knew how, face to face, in the face of Jesus Christ. That's how he presented himself. He came from the earth, supposedly, according to man's point of view. The, the scribes and the Pharisees, well, isn't this the son of Joseph, just some obscure carpenter over here? <laughs> see what I mean? They didn't see it. But the gospel of Jesus Christ now does water the entire ground right now, the whole face of the ground. Now, In verse 7, it says, And the Lord God 
formed man of the dust of the ground and, get this now, folks, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul, not just a creature anymore, a living soul. Here you have a difference between a created being over here in chapter 1, verse 27, and a formed being over here in chapter 2, verse 7. There's the difference. That's the difference between what you would call a natural man today, one that doesn't know God, one that is not filled with his spirit, and then what John describes in the Gospel of John as somebody that has been given power to become a son or daughter of God. Uh -huh. The New Testament is important in order to be able to understand these references way back to Genesis. If you look at Genesis 1 and you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, they line up together as you compare them side by side. It's truly amazing. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the first verse of the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus Christ. The Word was with God. Yeah, Jesus Christ has always been with the Father. He never had beginning of days or nor end of life. So here in verse 7, man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Not anyone else. Again, you have to look at who's the potter and who's the clay. The potter formed this clay. All right. The way I look at it, the other creatures back there in chapter 1 were just the clay. They hadn't been formed yet. They were just there. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I think that's enough. I just wanted to uh, give some of that knowledge out because it's important to know. A lot of people don't interpret this by the Spirit, and they say, well, Adam and Eve were the first people ever. Not true. Where did Cain get his wife? Well, he went to the land of Nod and took a wife. Well, where did she come from? She must have come from those created people that were over here in chapter 1. Mm -hmm. So again, they were just breeding stock so that you wouldn't have any incest or any uh, problems with reproduction. Okay. And that clears up a lot of problems. <laughs> Peter also said this, he says, Be you not ignorant of this one thing, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So when you're talking about the seven or six days of creation back here in Genesis, you know that the Lord could have taken his time as the Lord saw fit. There was nobody around yet to experience a literal day even though the Hebrew words do denote literal days. But Moses had to write something that somebody could understand, the common folks, not these big religious fatheads, mind you.
We didn't need that. Moses wrote this down so that we could at least halfway understand in our fleshly mind the wonderful works of God right from the creation. Okay? You have to know some of this background in order to be able to understand what's been going on and how the mind of man has gotten in there and made it much more complicated than it actually is. Okay? And most of these things are discerned and known by the Spirit. When you get the infilling of the Holy Ghost, God will show you how everything went down. And then it doesn't become a problem. So let's go back to the Psalms. All right, we were in verse 20. Mm -hmm. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Just a bunch of creatures walking around. They're still walking around in chapter 1 of Genesis. Now, in order to get to Revelation, you need to be a spirit-filled Christian. A true Jew, one inwardly. See what I'm saying? Yep. So you can get to the end of the book where God wins <laughs> and overcomes that wicked one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Folks that can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, full of the word of life. Uh -huh. Full of that tree of life. Bearing that fruit. Yeah. Psalm 10 is a prayer for the overthrow of the wicked. And these are always good because there's such, so much victory here. David says, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? <laughs> He's probably thinking here, why don't you bring your Messiah and deliver me from this right now? Well, it wasn't time yet, but let's move on. He says, The wicked in his pride does persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Again, falling into the pit that they dug for us. Mm -hmm. He says, the wicked hotly pursues the poor. If they're poor in spirit, then they, sometimes they have a disadvantage when the wicked come. That's why it's important for us not to be poor spiritually, but to be full of the Holy Ghost all the time. Mm -hmm. Because David here, even David here is talking about something that's very wicked. The absolute enemies of God. Mm -hmm. Let them be taken in the devices, the plots that they have imagined or devised. They're always thinking up a wicked plot. They don't even rest until they've done some mischief during the day. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. Yeah, they, they let their desires be known. They let you know exactly what they're up to and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. The wicked also bless the covetous here. Mm -hmm. The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesses the covetous, the greedy, whom the Lord abhorreth. Ooh. Yep. The Lord hates these spirits. Mm -hmm. A covetous spirit. Isn't that the way people are today? Me, me, me. Me, myself, and I. Selfish, selfish, selfish. I serve myself before. Get out of my way. Me, me, me. Yeah. Well, that's the way the devil talks. I will do this and I will do that and I will be like the Most High and I will exalt myself against the knowledge of God. I will ascend up to the throne and I will do all this other stuff. Self-centered. The wicked 
through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Mm -hmm. Pride in Proverbs only comes from contention. That's a big festering argument. Something that causes the most grief to a soul. That huge festering argument and that, that ceaseless, relentless opposition. That's what, where pride comes from. Mm -hmm. God is not in all his thoughts. Nowadays, God isn't in any of them. Should be. We'd all be a lot better off if they were. But thank God there's a remnant left. You know, back in Elijah's day, he was sitting in that cave kind of feeling sorry for himself. He's like, Lord, I'm the only one left. The Lord said, no, not really. I have 7,000 men that have not yet bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed him. That's quite, quite a few, but it's also quite few compared to the number of people that were living in that, that entire nation. It had been taken over by a perverse spirit. They had made Baalism the state religion. Mm -hmm. And it had gone way too far. Jeroboam I was the one to get that started. Then you had Omri later, and then you had his son, Ahab, and his wife, Jezebel. A spirit. Mm -hmm. An anti-God, anti-Christ spirit, Jezebel. It's a spirit. Started out with the person that it was most powerful in at the time, the woman Jezebel. In Revelations, it talks about her being a spirit of fornication and all those other wicked things that go along with her. She was nasty. Mm -hmm. She killed a man and took his property one time just because her husband couldn't go down and take it. Mm -hmm. and the man she killed off said, I'm not going to give you my vineyard. The Lord told me not to give my inheritance to you. She went and had him set up and had him killed. Almost like Jesus Christ was set up by the scribes and Pharisees. They, they pulled a set up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hired sons of Belial to testify against him. They had him stoned in the middle of town and then took his vineyard and just gave it to the king. He wanted it. He was this covetous spirit here. Mm -hmm. Ahab. Bad king. <laughs> Speaking about the wicked again here in verse 5, he says, His ways are always grievous. He says, Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. Mm -hmm. The wicked have no knowledge of God. They don't like to retain God in their knowledge. Therefore, the judgment of God just fly right over the tops of their heads. Yep. This is good information to know. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Mm -hmm. He blasts or sneers at them. Well, I'm sure God blasts and sneers at his enemies too. <laughs> he always has. Sooner or later, one way or another, God gets the victory. This is where faith comes in. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for 
the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't see the judgment of God, even sometimes in our lifetime, but we know that God wins at the end, and that's where our faith comes in. We have enough faith to know that if we just endure it and keep overcoming what's set before us every day, that we have the victory already. We are more than conquerors. Okay, so this is the confidence that we are able to have. Verse 6, He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Really? I beg to differ. These are the, this is the enemy talking now. I'll never be in adversity. God doesn't pay any attention to what I do. He won't ever see it. Really? I'll tell you what, God sees it all. Uh-huh. I'll never be in trouble. <laughs> really? His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Mm-hmm. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Fraud here is translated oppression. Mm-hmm. Mischief and vanity are trouble and iniquity, just outright sin. And if sin is vanity, then it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't do anybody any good. It only brings a curse, not a blessing. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, does he murder the innocent? Mm-hmm. Look what's going on today. Here's your abortionists. This is one example. Why do they have to sit in secret places? If what they're doing is right, why do they have to hide themselves? Mm -hmm. What do they have to hide? Why don't they reveal their identity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the Messiah came and he revealed his identity and he did everything openly. Mm -hmm. So, the wicked don't come to the light lest their evil deeds should be reproved or found out and discovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a bunch of cockroaches. If you got a, your kitchen is infested with cockroaches, you come in, in the middle of the night, you turn the light on, why do they all scatter and have to go hide? They're afraid that foot's going to come down and catch a couple of them. Well, I'll tell you what. God's the one that's got the most light, and he's got the biggest foot. So all you roaches out there, beware. All you wrong spirits out there, beware. This has got to go out of the air today. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places does he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. Privily being secretly, again. Privately, secretly. Not out in the open. Mm -hmm. He's got something to hide all the time. Mm -hmm. And always some BS story to cover it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. Be careful, folks. Don't be drawn in to this lion here, into the den of iniquity. Mm -hmm. A den of thieves. Jesus Christ used the right words to reference some of this stuff back all the time. 
He says, you've made my house a, a house of merchandise and a den of thieves. Mm -hmm. And the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill souls off. To try to kill your soul off if he can do it. That's the thing. That's how the New Testament and the Old Testament have to reference back to one another. Those key words. You look at the word den. Where do you find it? <laughs> See what I mean? Once you have the Holy Spirit, it's easy to find these words and easily cross-reference the old with the new. It becomes a wonderful living testament. The whole book, this whole Bible, Christ concealed on one side and Christ revealed on the other. A two-edged sword. It's interesting. Yeah. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Here he is waiting secretly in his den, and if he can draw you in, he will do it. Don't be drawn in by any other spirit. Steve knows. Mm -hmm. He's getting rid of all the other spirits that would draw him off in some other direction. And that's fantastic. Isn't that great? All, a lot of us have gotten rid of the spirits that would draw us in into some other den. Rather than into the high places of God. The stronghold of God. God's stronghold. David said here that he, he will catch some of you. As long as you're poor in spirit, he'll get you. It's true. So stay built up, folks. He crouches and humbles himself. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he bows down. That the poor may fall by his strong ones. Yep, the devil has his minions as well. And sometimes they do appear very strong and... Uh, you know, there's a lot of bluster, there's a lot of talk. But really, a spirit-filled person doesn't have to worry about any of that. Mm -hmm. Apostle Paul said, for me to live as Christ, you know, eat his flesh and drink his blood and go through all the stuff, and to suffer all these things, and to die is gain. What does he gain? All the riches of glory when he goes up to meet the Lord. And he's there right now. So, whether they can kill your body off, that really doesn't matter either. It all, but it all depends on where your soul is going. Mm -hmm. so we don't, I don't have any fear of anyone that can kill the body. Because if they do, I'd know my soul goes right to God. Right to the throne. <laughs> Isn't that great? So, whether we live or die, we're, we're the Lord's, right? He has said in his heart, God has forgotten he hides his face. He'll never see it. <laughs> That's the one I was talking about there. Yeah. Isn't that something? Really? Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up thine hand. Forget not the humble. The truly humble. Mm -hmm. Wherefore does the wicked contemn God? How can the wicked renounce God? There's so many ways for them to do it. However, you can't renounce something that pronounces judgment on you. Mm -hmm. If you're convicted of a serious crime, you can't tell the judge, well, I'm not going to prison. Uh-uh. <laughs> when that sentence is pronounced on you, he delivers you to those officers and they throw you in the pokey by God. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, they do. He has said in his heart, thou will not require it. Mm -hmm. You'll not require an account. We're not accountable for anything. That's the spirit of the world today. Nobody's accountable for anything. Boy, you just don't, you don't go and correct anybody for anything. They won't hear you. Mm -mm. Don't you dare correct them. Mm -hmm. Well, fine. The word says, whom God rebukes and chastises not, they are bastards and not sons. So he gave us the power to become the sons of God. And we take his rebuke and his chastening. He corrects us for the for any little wrong thing that we would do, small or great. And he loves us enough to do it so that we can continue to be his sons and be legitimate and be obedient to him. The rebellious and the disobedient, when God's had enough with them, he just doesn't even bother to correct them anymore. He turns them over to some other spirit to have at them. Those are the bastards. They're the illegitimate. Mm -hmm. It's all in the Word. It's in Hebrews, actually. They are bastards and not sons. Illegitimate. So your DNA doesn't matter whether you're Jew, Gentile, black or white, Hispanic, whatever. It doesn't matter. This ministry has all those different races and all those different colors in it. It does. It doesn't matter to us. Well, we know that we are true Jews, one that is a Jew inwardly with the circumcision of the heart and of the ears. The flesh has gone away, and now the spirit can take over. Mm -hmm. David says in verse 14, he says, Thou hast seen it. <laughs> David knew, yeah, God, Lord, you've, you've seen their iniquity. You've seen what they're doing. It hasn't escaped him. For thou beholdest mischief, trouble, and spite, the grief that it causes, to requite it. To repay it with thine hand. Yeah. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We don't need to go out and punish them. All we need to do is give out the word of the testimony and say, Devil, it is written. Mm -hmm. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's why knowing this entire word is important. Because Jesus Christ was able to rebuff the devil, quoting that one thing, just a few little things, it is written again. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. The Lord thy God, only him shalt thou serve. You'll only serve him. I don't need to serve you, devil. I serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. Whose I am and before whom I stand. Yeah. The poor commits himself unto thee. Uh -huh. He entrusts himself to God. Trust God. Very simple. Two words. Trust him. Really, truly trust him. You are the helper of the fatherless. <laughs> yeah. If there's anyone looking out there to get to God the Father, it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, or except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, anybody that doesn't know the Lord 
Jesus Christ is the way to get to the Father so that you're no longer fatherless or widowed, a person that isn't part of the body of Christ and has no husband. When you become part of the body of Christ, then you are married to Jesus Christ and you do have God the Father and Christ as your husband then. This is how it works together. David says, break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad was ministering in an area one time, and they were doing logging at a mill, a lumber mill. And somebody had been stealing some equipment, stole a motor or something, that they needed to get the work done. And my dad just prayed to the Lord, and he said, all right, whoever took that motor, just break his legs. And during the church one time, this guy just come in on crutches. He said, all right, where's my motor? See how that works? There's a modern day testimony that backs up what David here is asking for. Break their arms, break their legs down. Mm -hmm. So I expect to see a few people walking around on crutches before too long. <laughs> Gimping around on broken limbs. Mm -hmm. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. <laughs> yeah. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen, the other nations, the, the other wrong spirits out there, are perished out of his land. Yep. Israel and Zion are the seed of the church, symbolically, in the word. There isn't any heathen allowed to be in the church of God. There isn't any sin tolerated. Mm-hmm. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Mm -hmm. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress or terrify. Yep. In verse 18, he says he's going to vindicate the fatherless and the oppressed. We are going to be vindicated. Mm -hmm. that the man of the earth may no more oppress that worldly god of mammon there's a spirit out there it's called mammon it's a spirit of the world and it tries to get you to go its way and to do its business and to distract away from doing the, the lord's business and for you to serve the lord mm -hmm. that's what it does it's called mammon jesus said you cannot serve god and mammon cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. It's either one or the other. Yep. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may no more oppress or terrify. They try. You know, it's interesting. In the art of war, it says, if you go out against your enemy, one of the first things you want to do is terrify him so badly he can't think. That's one of the tactics that demon-possessed people use to try to keep your mind clouded up and muddied up. Hit you with some kind of threat or something. And get you all worked up over that while the real issues sort of slide under the door or get swept under the rug. <laughs> that doesn't need to work on you. And it doesn't need to work you over. Let them say what they want. Just keep your peace. You'll get the victory over them.
Psalm 11. In the Lord I put my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Hmm. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Mm -hmm. If you're upright in heart before the Lord, you will get shot at. However, I happen to know that the word says that you have to put on the whole armor of God. Mm -hmm. That you can withstand in the evil day. And you can quench all the fiery darts, or these arrows here, of the wicked. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's the helmet of salvation. That's Jesus Christ right there. He covers your head. You have your head covered. You don't need a little skull cap anymore. That doesn't do much good against a 16-ton weight dropping down on top of you. The helmet of salvation, however, does it. The breastplate of what? Righteousness. Not sinfulness. Uh-huh. The shield of faith. Not doubt. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mm -hmm. yeah. All those good things. Oh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Two edges. You open up your Bible, it's got one page over here on the left and one on the right, and it cuts up and down. It cuts both ways. Yeah. The Word of God is quick, it's alive and powerful, and is sharper than any two-edged sword. There's other two-edged swords out there, but this one's the sharpest and the most effective. Yep. Verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's interesting. That was probably the question that Elijah was asking God when he had to sit in that cave back there. What am I going to do? I'm the only one left and they seek my life to take it. They're trying to wipe out all of God's prophets. And those wrong spirits back there in Elijah's day did. If you look at it. Uh... They really tried. But I'll tell you what, God always has his remnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even God said, I'm able to even raise up these stones to be children of Abraham. Mm -hmm. My chosen people. I could take a rock out there in the wilderness and make a man out of him. What did God do back over here in Genesis? In chapter 2, he formed man of the dust of the ground. Uh -huh. Even the devil knew it in Jesus' day. He says, why don't you command one of these stones that it be made bread? He could have easily done it. But it wasn't for Jesus to go around doing magic tricks <laughs> and worthless signs and wonders. That wouldn't have done anybody any good. And he didn't have to do... As the devil instructed him, the devil had to do as Jesus instructed him. Mm -hmm. yeah. You serve the Lord only. Only him will you serve. And man shall not live by bread alone. Not just your worldly stuff, not just eat and drink and the clothing that you put on in your nice car and your fancy house and your big swimming pool. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh. 
That's how it has to work. It has to be that way. Otherwise, what can the righteous do? If the foundation be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation. He's the foundation. Mm -hmm. Jesus told Peter, one of his disciples, he said, Thou art Peter, a rock, Cephas, a stone. And upon this rock will I build my church. Yeah. You can ask any Catholic out there and they'll tell you if Peter was the first pope, they say. That's what I'm talking about, though. There's the foundation. <laughs> David just said, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. Yes, he is. He's within every one of you spirit-filled believers out there. You're the temple of God now. It's a holy temple, by the way, not a sinful one. I'm going to keep saying this until the cows come home. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It's a measurement of time and space. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Hmm. Try being, test them. Yet we're all put to the test in one form or another. Peter said, there's going to be a fiery trial that's going to try you. <laughs> As though some strange thing happened unto you. He said, don't worry about that. Just move on. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. The Lord trieth the righteous. Tell you what, the Lord tests and tries everyone. Yeah. They prove out one way or another, whether the works be good or whether they be evil. Either way, great. But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. He hates the wicked and him that loves violence. God hates it. There's a religious lie of the devil that goes out and says, God loves everybody. It's real syrupy, real sweet. No, he doesn't either. David knew this to be a lie. David knows what he's talking about. The Holy Ghost is speaking here, being upon David to write these psalms. Mm -hmm. And they're still being written today and rewritten. Mm -hmm. And we're going to rehash these until the Lord comes back for the last time. We're just going to keep going over these because it's important. Peter said, I'm going to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing it. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares. Snares are burning coals here. Mm -hmm. That sounds hellish a little bit, doesn't it? Fire and brimstone. There's your fire and brimstone message. Fine. <laughs> and a horrible tempest, a burning wind. This shall be the portion of their cup. God's going to make them drink it. Mm -hmm. It'll be a tempest and a teacup. Mm -hmm. When the devil puts forth all of his violence and all of his threatenings and 
all of his slaughter and all of his oppression, it's usually just a tempest in a teacup. It's a tornado in your coffee cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big shot. A little squirt under high pressure. Mm-hmm. He plays the big shot. He acts like he's really something. And exalts himself against uh, the knowledge of God over and over and over again. No, he can bang his head against the, the wall. That's fine. He can do that all he likes. But his head's going to get bruised after a while. Mm -hmm. This will be the portion of their cup. David said in the 23rd Psalm, My cup runneth over. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. The portion of their cup is their portion to partake of. That's what they get. He says, For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. It never says anywhere in here that he loves sinfulness. And why, again, do the religious lies go out telling you that God will still accept you if you go out and just sin a little bit every day? Hell no. His countenance does behold the upright. Yep. Another verse says that your spirit, your angel, does always behold the face of God, not in heaven, but in glory. Mm -hmm. His countenance. He's talking about Christ here, Jesus Christ. The face of God, his countenance. Mm -hmm. Or you can think of it also this way. Or the upright beholds his countenance. Mm -hmm. Either way. No man hath seen God at any time. But your angel does always behold the face of God in glory. Not in heaven, by the way. God is in glory. That's where he is. That gives you a clue to where God is. Right where the throne is. It's amazing. Psalm 12 is a, also another plea against the wicked. <laughs> well, this is our cup tonight. Let's drink it. Help, Lord. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've said that one. Mm -hmm. These folks all know it. These folks sitting in front of me have a lot of spirit. Their cup is always running over because they stay full. And they know, just as well as I do, that when you're full, you're going to have all kinds of stuff trying to make you feel empty and try to drain you out and get you to where you're not full anymore. So, yeah, help, Lord. Help. <laughs> also means save. Mm -hmm. Save me. Save, Lord. Mm -hmm. Lord told Moses, he says, I am that I am. Because Moses asked the Lord, he said, well, when I go back to deliver your people back to Egypt, when I go back over there, who am I going to tell them that you are? He says, I am that I am. I save in the manner in which I save. I do it my way. God says, I'm going to do it my way. Nobody else's way. And he did. Mm -hmm. He made it absolutely impossible for Pharaoh to do it his way. 
so that God could get all the credit for doing it God's way. That's right. It's, it's very cool. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's what we're seeing more and more every day as the time grows shorter and shorter. We're seeing that there are less and less godly men out there, it seems like. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. He says they're disappearing rapidly. This was going on back in David's time. You can imagine by now how bad it's gotten. Actually, you don't have to imagine it. All you have to do is step out your front door first thing in the morning. You'll see it all over the place. Just go to the store or just try to go get gas or just try to go collect your mail. Good luck running into another godly man. Mm -hmm. Here's what they do. Here's how you know them. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. Vanity being idly or falsely. It won't be worth anything, and it'll be a bunch of lies. That doesn't do anybody any good. Hell is reserved for all liars. Mm-hmm. And usually the natural man out there, in my dealings with them, all they want to do is lie to me. That's fine. They can lie to the Holy Ghost all they like. <laughs> that just makes them, personally according to me, that just makes them toast. Mm -hmm. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Yeah. They'll tell you one thing and tell you how wonderful you are. And then behind your back, Stab you right in the back. Mm -hmm. Flattering lips and with a double heart. With an inconsistent mind. Now the word says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's not inconsistent. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the word says. That never changes. That's the consistency that you need to survive. In this present day. That's what you need. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the word says. Mm -hmm. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Mm -hmm. Water always seeks the lowest point, not the highest point. It's a victim of gravity. It always goes down, if it can. Mm-hmm. But the water of the word is a well of water within you springing up into everlasting life. There's the difference. There's the water that can, the living water that can defy the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. Yep. Didn't God do it? When the Israelites had to go across the Red Sea, he made that water defy the laws of physics. Then when the Egyptians tried to cross, the laws of physics kicked back in and just baptized them all into their own deaths. <laughs> that was neat. That was one of the first baptisms. Yeah, the power of God was so powerful there on the Egyptians, it just baptized them right out of this world. <laughs> Took them away, swept them away. Okay, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. The Lord will just rip your face off. That's what the way you want to be. <laughs> and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Yeah. 
The Lord will destroy all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks great things. Anything that thinks it's greater than God, in other words. Yeah, the tongue that speaks proud things. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty or puffed up spirit before destruction. Uh-huh. They're always at their biggest and their boldest before the Lord cuts them down. That's how you know. So if anything really mean or nasty comes up against you, just know that their time is very short then. Mm -hmm. Here's what they say. Here's how they talk. With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? You don't tell me anything. This is the way these devils talk. Spirit of the Lord and you can't tell me anything. I won't budge. I won't move. They're stubborn and disobedient, rebellious against God. They're froward. Mm -hmm. Well, the Lord said, he said, with the froward, I will show myself unsavory, very distasteful. You want to be distasteful? I'm the master of distasteful, the Lord says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unsavory, very distasteful. <laughs> yeah. You want to be rotten and nasty? The Lord can be also very rotten and very nasty. Uh -huh. You can read about what he does. Back here in the Old Testament, by the way, some of the very rotten and very nasty things he had to do to some people to get them to knock it off. Yeah. This is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, overcoming people with their words. Like I said, the big, the big load of brain damage that, they, that comes out of their mouth at you to try to distract your mind and to try to scramble your brain. Mm -hmm. Brain damage. With our tongue will we prevail. It's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, overcoming people with their words. This is the thing that the Lord hates in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Our lips are our own. Mm -mm. God's the one that made the mouth of man. That's what the word says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You try it any other way, it's not going to work. He'll just cut your tongue out. The tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Mm -hmm. You read all about it in James. <laughs> yeah. That's why the Lord has to cut it out. Mm -hmm. Who is Lord over us? They don't know who the Lord is. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Ah, the Lord is going to do some talking here. King David is a prophet. Whenever he says, thus saith the Lord, that's it. That's what the Lord has said. The words of the Lord are pure words. They're like this. They're as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Yeah. It's gone through that fire seven times, at least, to get all the impurities out. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's a way to be preserved from this evil, wicked, and adulterous generation. To get full of the Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit by that baptism of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist baptized into repentance. 
He baptized under repentance. Jesus Christ baptized us into the remission, the complete removal of sin, plus the baptism of the Holy Ghost and with fire. That fire is what proves the silver uh, seven times. So yeah, you're going to have at least seven trials at the very least. You're going to be purified by it, though. It's going to burn that flesh off of you. And the flesh will feel it. It'll burn you. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. It's not going to be a strange fire. The fire within you now is going to be able to identify and agree with that fiery trial. Mm -hmm. Some of them tried it a little further back in the book of Numbers, in chapter 16. They rebelled against Moses and against Aaron. And they put strange fire in their censers. And the Lord just judged them immediately. The earth swallowed them up and everything that pertained unto them. Mm -hmm. Everybody that went along with them got swallowed up into the pit alive. It says they went down quick alive into the pit. They went alive and they went quick. Mm -hmm. The Lord had had enough of them. And it was only by the intercession of Moses and Aaron, when they fell immediately on their faces, they stood in the gap between them and the rest of the people. Moses and Aaron had to hurry up quick, get down on their faces, humble themselves before the Lord to stop the Lord from burning them all up. The Lord wanted to start all over with Moses. No something. Yep. The Lord was that angry. Apostle Paul called it the provocation. Mm -hmm. They provoked the Lord so badly. And it was something. These same spirits here were the ones that angered the Lord so badly that he was ready to just destroy everything and start over with Moses and make a great nation out of him and make Moses uh, the, the, uh, the chosen people. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. First name that comes to mind is Bill Clinton. One of the vilest men I've ever seen. Willing to lie to the American people and then to internally demoralize the American people with his deeds. He wanted to get caught. He wanted his sin to spill out into the streets. That's the vilest man that I can think of. One of them. Mm-hmm. Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? <laughs> Boy, David must have been in a real low spot here in some of these psalms, huh? Well, we'll just take it as it comes. How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Well, it wasn't real long. <laughs> mm -hmm. When David went on, he went into the nether parts of the earth with the rest of the men of God into a sort of a holding tank, sort of a nice place to be, a paradise. They called it Sheol. Sometimes they call it hell, but it wasn't a bad place for the righteous. It was a bad place for the unrighteous. A few hundred years later, Christ came and went down, and David finally did get to see his face. Mm -hmm. See, the face of the Lord was hidden from David. He didn't have the fulfillment of the promise that we have today, that promise of Christ coming and Christ being within us, our hope of glory. So it wasn't that long. 
in geologic time. Mm -hmm. How long shall I take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So we feel like that sometimes too. Boy, they really puff themselves up and really exalt themselves over us. Fine. <laughs> we know that we're kings and priests to the Lord. And that's really all that should matter. There's no other spirit that can exalt itself really against that for very long. They can try, try as they might. They can't really get it done. They can't really back up what they say. They can't really put their money where their mouth is. And even if they try, it doesn't do them much good. It just makes more of us. Mm -hmm. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten or enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Well, let them play their little games. Let them have their little moment of triumph, so to speak. Let them think that they've really got every advantage. Whatever they think doesn't affect me. God isn't in any of their thoughts. He says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. God's loving kindness. Mm -hmm. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Again, David brings our souls back to where it needs to be. Focusing on the salvation of God. Focusing on the Holy Spirit. Focusing on the good things of God. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There it goes. Mm -hmm. You notice he's pretty miserable in verse 1, and by the time he gets to verse 6, he's doing pretty well. That's the way it is. <laughs> it's a fact. These are the facts. Let's go to uh, Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Mm-hmm. Here's your atheists. The biblical meaning of fool is a godless one. Mm -hmm. And David knew this to be a fact. There is no God. Really? I'll tell you what. There's no atheist out there that can really say that. Because the devil in that atheist knows there is a God. Mm -hmm. The word says even the devils believe and tremble. Even devils go to church. Yep. Enough said. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. No, none of these fools here. Now some religious spirit is going to come along and say, there is none that doeth good. We're all sinners. That's a load of garbage. That's religious brain damage right there. When he's talking about the fool, he's talking about there is none that doeth good. He's talking about the fools, not us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he's not talking about us. He's talking about all the sinners. Sometimes the mind of man gets in there and can't understand what the words of God really do mean. Because there's a translation involved and there's a language barrier involved. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, however, there is no barrier. 
You go straight to the source and there is no confusion about the what the word says. When he says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's talking about all those sinners out there have come short of the glory of God. If there's any sin in you, yes, you will come short of glory. See what I mean? That's why the sin has to go away so that that glory can be revealed to a soul. You get rid of the sin, you get rid of the veil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The veil that the old Jewish high priest could only go through once a year, and they had better be consecrated. They had better be properly sanctified, and they had better be ceremonially clean as a whistle. Mm -hmm. They had better be. If they had any sin on them, they dragged them out, back out through that veil, dead. Instant judgment. Mm -hmm. That's why they had bells around their feet and a rope around their ankle. Yep. If those bells stopped jingling or jangling, they grabbed a hold of that rope and pulled them out. And that was it. That was your yearly thing. <laughs> you were done. And as I understand, if you were high priest that year and you went in to do the service in the holiest of all, that was your one opportunity to do that in your lifetime. And then somebody else the next year was high priest that year and did that service that year. You could only do it once in your life. And that was an interesting thing, because in the New Testament, Zacharias was the priest that went in to do the highest service that year, and that was his one opportunity during his life to do it. And the angel of the Lord told him he and his wife were going to conceive John the Baptist. <laughs> uh huh. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord. Get ready for Jesus Christ, because here he comes. That was an amazing event, because that man was told that during his highest uh, holy day. <laughs> it was amazing. That's when God chose to bring forth the Messiah and his forerunner, uh, John the Baptist. So, interesting stuff here. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Yeah. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth seeking the hearts of men that are perfect toward him. Well, what did God find here? In verse 3, he said, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. Hmm. Corrupt. There's a lot of corruption in the world today. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Not one of what? Not one of the children of men. They're not capable of doing the work of God. God gave us power to become the sons of God, and that's the only way that you can do the wonderful works of God. These children of men here aren't able to do it. All they can do is philanthropy and imitate the charity of the saints. They can't duplicate it, and they can't actually do the real work. They can mimic it and phony it up. Fake. <laughs> That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Actors. You can only hint at it. You can only act a certain way. You can act religious and look religious, but you're not really spiritual. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being religious and being truly born again. Yeah. You've got to start out as a little child. Why? Because with God, you've got to be born again so that you can learn His good habits right from your mother's womb. Right from the point you get up out of that water and are born again. All those bad habits go away and all the good habits have set in. Mm -hmm. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise. Why? Because they're not old and full of all these bad habits. Mm -hmm. That's why you must be born again. You must do it. Jesus told Nicodemus, uh, one of the religious leaders, who happened to have a heart toward God. He said, you must be born again. He said, well, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born? He says, no, 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 you're missing the point. You've got to be born from above. Yeah. Not from things that are on the earth here. <laughs> David is going to ask a, a neat question here. He says, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. If you're sinful, then you have no knowledge of God. Yeah. He that sinneth is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Certainly have a knowledge of the devil and his works if you're out there sinning. Mm -hmm. Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. They call on some other spirit, they think, to get by. They think. Mm -hmm. This is really something. There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Not the sinful. I'm going to keep hammering it away at it as long as the word says it. I'm going to bring it to light. Mm -hmm. You have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Yeah. You come against the poor and the needy in spirit and an unstable soul. Look out, the Lord is against you. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. He says, boy, did I ever wish Jesus Christ were already here. Uh-huh. Yeah, where's the deliverer? Yeah. Literally, he's saying, who will give out of Zion the salvation of Israel? Yeah. Who? David was actually wondering about himself because Christ came from his own lineage. Yeah. Jesus Christ was a son of David, further down the line. Mm -hmm. He says, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, or he turns that captivity away. See, David knew this, this salvation was going to come and was going to turn the captivity of his people. He was going to bring the righteous and the willing and the obedient souls out from under the oppression of all this wickedness that we are talking about here. And most of that wickedness came from those religious leaders who had gotten it wrong mm -hmm. and turned the truth of God into a lie and worshiped the creature themselves and their big egos and their big minds more than the creator. Mm -hmm. They worshiped the creature more than the creator. That creature, children of men, just a bunch of walking tree stumps. No breath of life in them. Mm -hmm. That's why the devil tempted 
Eve with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh-huh. Instead of just having that perfect spirit to take something that would divide the mind, good and evil, to have the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -mm. We don't need to have that. It's the devil's substitute for staying in the good and getting rid of the evil. Right? When God was talking to Satan in Job, he said, look, here's my servant Job, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and escheweth, it shuns evil. See? The devil wanted to bring that fruit in there as a substitute. Split that mind, good and evil, good and evil. Which way do I look? Which way do I look? Yeah. No. A lot of times the word would say, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Keep going down that straight and narrow path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way to salvation. Broad is the way to destruction. You can look all over the place and go straight down into hell. And there's many that go down that way. That's how it all breaks down. Mm -hmm. Oh, the wisdom that you can glean from these scriptures are great. Great wisdom. Mm -hmm. Jacob shall rejoice. That's Israel. Mm -hmm. When Jacob wrestled with that angel, the one that I mentioned earlier in the message, the angel said, I'm going to change your name. You're no more Jacob, but Israel. Mm -hmm. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. You notice how in these last verses, most of the time, you end up on a positive note, pun intended. Mm -hmm. These are songs to be sung to the Lord. Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in my tabernacle? <laughs> he didn't quite know yet. Well, the, the Lord Jesus Christ abides in our earthly tabernacle today. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was one that was made with hands. Mm -hmm. The one where the Lord instructed Moses, see that thou make it according to the pattern showed to the end of the mount. Right? Yeah. There's a reason we go through Exodus in different places. Now, the kingdom of God, it says, is within man, within you. Christ within you, your hope of glory. Fun stuff. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Yeah. He that walketh uprightly and works righteousness, not sinfulness, mm -hmm. and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. Ooh, look out. Mm -hmm. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, despised. The Lord despises a vile person. But he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've sworn an oath here that we're going to serve the Lord no matter what comes along. Even if it, so-called, hurts us or hurts our flesh or causes us to be in a little bit of distress here and there. 
or takes our peace away just a little bit here and there. Big deal. What's that to the flesh? Mm -hmm. The spirit should always be at peace, and that's where we should always strive to be. I have to work on it every day. Fine. It's a daily overcoming. Just endure it and overcome it every day. Just do it. <laughs> Pretty simple, right, Dwayne? <laughs> yeah, we just do what we have to do. Just work at it. Mm -hmm. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neither a borrower nor a lender be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the borrower is servant to the lender. Mm -hmm. Always have enough; so you don't have to beg or borrow. It says that the children of God shall not be found begging bread. When you see religious icons on television begging for money, what does that tell you then? It tells you they're going exactly against the word. I don't serve a begging God here. God supplies all my needs, and I don't have to beg the people for money or drag for this cause or for that cause or to buy a book or to sell a CD or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't sell my stuff. and I don't, The Word of God is not for sale. It's printed down on CDs for you for free so that you can enjoy the good things of God and to come and buy milk and honey without money, he said. Uh-huh. Without money. The only thing that he wanted us to buy in the book of Revelation was come and buy of me gold tried in the fire, purified seven times. Mm -hmm. And really, the only thing that it costs is to put your flesh aside under the waters of baptism, again, to be converted and to put that flesh aside. He put his flesh down as a living sacrifice for us. So we must present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's what the word says. Mm -hmm. That's the price we pay to repay that debt that he laid down for the rest of us. Okay, so this works well. Mm -hmm. He that does these things shall never be moved. Yeah. It says in the Word, again, that there is going to be a huge shakeup, but the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Isn't that correct? Yeah. We'll never be moved. You can't move the rock. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the rock. Remember, He's the foundation. That foundation doesn't move. We're well-rooted and grounded. When you have a tree that's well-rooted and well-grounded, there isn't anything that can come over and knock that over. It continues to grow and it continues to bear fruit. It's been planted and it's been watered well. And it's been well taken care of. Let's do Psalm 16. Everybody feeling good? Great. It's not getting too late. says here that David seeks preservation and blessing. Well, we're looking to get all of those same things too. It's a contemplation of David. 
He says, Preserve me, O God. Watch over me. For in you do I put my trust. Trust God. It's very simple. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extends not to thee. Or in other words, my goodness is nothing apart from you. <laughs> Separated from God, there's nothing good about that. Mm -hmm. Being free from righteousness is awful. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. This is what he means here. He says, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. David said, my soul and the soul of the Lord, the Holy Ghost that's upon me, delights in the saints that are in the earth. Yeah. I'm sure David wasn't talking about dead ones. Because mm -hmm. I'm looking at living saints right here and right now in this room. There's a whole building here full of them. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God with a small g. Notice that small g right there? Another God with a small g. God is the biggest G around. Mm -hmm. He's got the capital G in front of his name. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. He says, I will not worship at any other spirit at any other time, and I will not make the sacrifices to those devils. Mm-hmm. God told his people, you will not sacrifice to any other God but me. You shall have no other gods before me. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my lot. Mm -hmm. Literally, you uphold my place in the universe here. The devils out there, one of their jobs is to deny you, as saints, your very existence. Try as they might. They can keep trying, but they won't succeed. Sometimes it may seem that they do, but in the long run, they won't. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. A good inheritance. Isn't that something? And today we actually have a better covenant, a better testament, based on better promises with the bringing in of Jesus Christ. It said, for the law could make nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope that Jesus Christ did, it already did, mm -hmm. past tense. All you have to do is accept the fact that it did. That's all. That's all you got to do. Just receive it. <laughs> yeah. I have a good inheritance. Yeah. We are made heirs. How? Through the infilling of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son receives the inheritance. And if we have the Son of God within us, then we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's what the Word says. The New Testament must work. Mm -hmm. It has to. Mm -hmm. Because it agrees exactly with what David said. David was looking right at the New Testament and probably didn't even know it. He didn't know the half of it. He could only see a little bit of it 
afar off. Mm -hmm. He knew about the promise, but he, he wasn't able to completely take it on until Christ went down and delivered those captives from the nether parts of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's quite something to read about in the New Testament. And actually, about 500 uh, <laughs> resurrected bodies of the saints, after Christ released them, walked around in Jerusalem were seen mm -hmm. so that nobody could dispute what Jesus had done. There was Elijah walking around, probably David walking around, going, hmm, city hasn't changed much. It's only gotten dirtier, more full of religious garbage. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can just see him walking around in Jerusalem going, my God, what happened here? What are these Roman fellows over here doing? <laughs> All right, uh, he says in verse 7, I will bless the Lord. Good idea. America, bless God. That's how it ought to be. Because every nation that forgets God shall be destroyed. That's it. Read Deuteronomy 28. If you'll serve the Lord, he gives you all the blessings. And he says, if you'll not serve me, then here come all the curses upon you. Look what's happening. We'll look to see who's serving God and who's still standing when it all boils down. Mm -hmm. Yep. When the rains come down and the floods come up. We'll see whose house is left standing. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Mm-hmm. With the infilling of the Holy Spirit, folks, it teaches you all things that you need to know. My reins, my heart, literally my kidneys, the innermost guts, the innermost bowels, the feelings, the innermost, deepest-seated emotions also instruct me in the night seasons. Yeah, he gets vision and revelation right from the Lord. Mm -hmm. David was quite the night watchman, too. Mm -hmm. I have set the Lord always before me. There you go. If he's always in front of you, then there's nothing else to look at. Mm -hmm. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved, period. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Yeah. Hey. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Yep, if you can keep your spirit at peace, then your flesh can be at peace too. For the most part. It'll rest in hope, and that means it'll dwell securely. That's the security system. We all have a built-in security system. We don't need to be insecure about anything because we have that hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell or Sheol. That's what he's talking about here. The abode of the dead. And the spirits of men abode in this holding tank here before Christ came. It was below the earth and they, they translated it into English here. Hell. But it's a different kind of hell than the one that was back here a couple of verses back, a couple of psalms back. It didn't have a reference note to it. This one does in here. Mm 
Sheol, the abode of the dead. Now in the New Testament, it is appointed unto man once to die and then to judgment. Mm -hmm. That does away with your reincarnation. The word says it and the scripture cannot be broken. Yep. You will not leave my soul in hell. And Jesus didn't leave David's soul in hell. When David went to Sheol, he was in a safe place. Mm -hmm. The rich man went to hell and he was tormented in the flame. And then the man that he uh, didn't care for while he was living, Lazarus, was caught up into the bosom of Abraham, his father, a son of Abraham. Jesus talked about this. But there was a great gulf fixed between the two. There was a place in Sheol here for the righteous souls and one for the wicked. <laughs> You'll have to read about that sometime. That's a neat story. It gives you a clue as to what state the soul ended up in before Jesus released the captives and did away with Sheol here. Now you either go up or you go down. That's up to God what habitation you occupy when your soul leaves this body. Okay. He says, you'll not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. That Holy One is the Jesus Christ that uh, David, again, was prophesying about by <laughs> having the Holy Spirit be upon him. Now, we have the Holy Spirit with us as well, only it's not just upon us, it's within us. Okay. Yep. God did not allow Jesus Christ to see corruption. He was dead three days, and that was it. Then he came up with a resurrected body. That three days, Jesus' spirit was busy releasing all those captives and, and doing other amazing and wonderful things. <laughs> and I hope to know what some of those things are when I go on to meet the Lord. And I will. I'll get to find out the, the whole thing and be able to contain it all without burning up. He says, you will show me the path of life. Bingo. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Yeah, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, and the peace that passes all understanding. That's what you can expect when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's where the throne is. When God the Father sits in his throne on the right hand, from that right armrest, you can see pleasures evermore. It goes all out into infinity for eternity. That's a long time. That's where I want to be. I want to sit with him in his throne. Uh huh. Like he promised the overcomers in the book of Revelation back here at the end of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for now. And we'll just keep going next time.